What's up, everyone? 42nd episode of Kicking It with Breezy and Don C with my partner, Breezy, Danny Belsito, the new 24-year-old on the block. How does it feel to be an older man? It's weird, man. It's, it's crazy how uh, when I first got here, and you say you're born in 1996, right? You have the older kids who are like, oh, 1996, I was born in 92, 93, whatever. Now I'm here, and I'm hearing people are born in 2001, 2002 walking on this campus, and I feel like I shouldn't be allowed to be on this campus, like walking with the same people. I feel that old now. But in reality, what's changed? I'm the same guy. You know, I woke up on my birthday, went to train. Nothing changes. Got to get the work in no matter what. Somebody walked by, oh, I train on your birthday. I train on any day. It doesn't matter. On Labor Day, I train. We're literally supposed to rest. I train on Labor Day. I train on a Sunday. God said rest. I actively rest. But yeah, it was good. Spent a lot of time with some people here. Wish you were around. I got to be honest. But we got to have a nice FaceTime. That was enough for me. But, yeah, here we are, 24 Mamba year. The energy this year is about to be crazy. I'm taking it to the next level now. I'm telling you. I've been saying that. And I've been doing it every year. It's taking it to another level. And I started out, for those who are watching and they're going to see our intro video, I got my ears pierced. What a, I was going to mention change, that. I'm so huh? glad you did. Yeah, I'm sure the parents are not going to approve at first. But at the end of the day, 24. So it's about time to make my own big boy decisions. I wanted to do it, so I did it. And, uh, yeah, that's the energy I'm bringing into this 24th year. If I want to do it, I'm going to do it. If I want to chase it, I'm going to get it. That's not all it is. Not a bad way to look at life. Not yes, at sir. all. You say the parents may not approve. If I came home with earrings, my dad has told me he would not let me leave the house without him ripping them out of my ears. So mm-hmm. I'm sure your parents are a little bit different. Um, yeah. But regardless, I would love to see. Well. I would love to see Steve-O try and do that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about the UFC. Would that be a main card? Steve Belcito yeah, no, trying to rip no, the earrings. No, out. They, they, it wouldn't be <laughs> sanctioned. No, no athletic commission would sanction me fighting against my dad. They'd be like, "No, we can't do this." You know, I can't see you fighting and, Steve. I can't no, see it. Never, never in a million years. God, uh, he had a really good tweet last night saying that Dwight Howard has turned into the six ten version of Pat Beverly, and I rolled for a good five minutes looking at that one. So, Mr. Steve, if you hear this podcast, which I'm sure you will, a plus tweet. I did favorite <laughs> it for sure. Uh, all right, let's go in because we've got the most exciting topic now moving forward, our NFL Pick'em. It's the kicking it edition of NFL week-by-week picks by Breezy and Don C. And we went through, we went to our older episodes and checked week one and week two. Not going to lie, week one, I'm looking and I'm like, oof, shaky, nine and seven for, for myself, 10 and six for you. Tell everybody what happened in week two when it came to our picks. Yeah, man, week two, we went through the picks and – we, we were on it. I mean, to be honest, you were on it more than me. I did kind of shoot myself in the foot, hoping that the Patriots would beat the Seahawks, but they gave a good fight. I mean, to lose by five to, in my opinion, it's hard for me not to say the Seahawks are the massive NFC favorites to get to the Super Bowl right now after two weeks. Granted, I've been the one to say two, three weeks doesn't mean much, but in the doesn't mean much weeks, Seattle has looked pretty darn good. But yeah, you went 14 and two, 14 and two. That is fantastic. You missed the Giants, which I think was a bit of a reach if you look back and saw it yourself. It was. And I believe you missed one more. And the Saints, but we both missed that game. Um, yeah, and I went 12-4. and four. So through two weeks, you got one game on me in the W column. So it's going to be a long season. Uh, it's but very tight. It's going to be a lot of picks. 
going to have a lot of weeks, hopefully, that are 12 and fours and less weeks that are nine and sevens. So I guess uh, we'll see. Week three, there's a lot more close games. I, went, I, I looked through the games this week. This is a different yeah. week than the last week. Last week was a lot of big favorites. I made a fair bit of change uh, parlaying some games this past week. Don't think it's nearly going to be as easy this week. So I'm excited for these picks. Well said. Let's get into week three. Dolphins-Jags is the first game I have written down. Thursday night football. Oof. Snoozer. Jacksonville's favored by three. I'm going to say Jacksonville covers and wins by six. What about you? I have the exact same pick written down, and I have – I swear. that What a start. I'm, literally, I have right now in parentheses, Jags by six. I have every single game with the pick and the number, as I'm sure you do, and I have Jags by six. The problem is with Thursday night, right, it's so hard to really gauge where teams are at midweek. Like, Thursday night for me is the hardest game to pick. Like, harder than a Sunday night game, harder than a Monday night game. There's just a different aura to those Thursday night games. Fans are not, right? It's just kind of strange. But I'm with you. I think Jags cover. I've liked how Gardner's looked. I picked up Kenneth Cole. Or Kenneth Cole. Keenan Cole. What is it? it? Keenan Cole, right? The wide receiver? Keenan Cole Jr.? Kenneth Cole? Kenneth Cole. Oh, God. Nah, whatever. Whatever his name is. God God bless him. I think it's Kenneth Cole. But picked him up, put him in. So I uh, needed him because I picked up Paris Campbell from Indian. Now he's out for the next couple of weeks, at least. It is Keelan but Cole. I'm so Keelan sorry. Cole. God Keelan bless Cole. him. Sorry, man. Jeez, Louise. Keelan, <laughs> if you're listening, which I'm sure you're not, but hopefully somebody We had a good will. start on the pick, and then, and then you had to fumble the name. But, you know. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. And I just see Cole, right? I'm, I pick up, I just see K. Cole. So I'm going to do that from now on. K. Cole, hope he has a big game. But Thursday night, it's hard to predict. But this one, yes. I think. The Jags have looked okay. Better than I think both of us would have predicted they look in the first couple weeks. So, yeah, Jags, good pick. Bears-Falcons. Falcons dropped one of the worst drops in close game history. The stat. The team, teams in the past that had scored 39 or more with no turnovers, their record was 440 and 0. The Falcons are now the one, being that Dallas pulled that game off. Who do you have in this one? Well. The, the problem is, right, we're not – are we that surprised that the Falcons did that considering their past with big leads? I was surprised. I sure was. I was surprised considering I tweeted midway through the game that the Cowboys looked like a high school team trying to play with SEC college teams. That was rude. But it was justified. I mean, if you had watched the first two quarters of that game, you'd be like, what? This is Dallas? What? We picked this Cowboys team to make the Super Bowl? But they turned it around. Dak found his rhythm. I'm very happy about how C.D. Lamb is looking with that offense. But anyway, in this game, yeah, I got Falcons by seven in this one. Bears have looked okay, but they beat, what, the Giants? Everybody's going to beat the Giants, especially now with Saquon going out. God bless him. But, yeah, I got Falcons by seven. They're the luckiest team that's 2-0 and in the NFL. So I say it's funny. The Falcons are favored by three and a half. I'm going to say Bears cover, but the Falcons win by a field goal. I'm going to be that ah. guy. Very, very sneaky, but I have the Falcons – in that one, Rams, Bills, two two and O teams. Josh Allen is the NFL's leader in passing yards after two weeks. I say Bills cover, win by four. They are favored by two. Yeah, I've got Bills by six there as well. I like LA though. I mean, they've looked okay, but like I said, looking at their wins, like Dallas is clearly reeling. They've started to find it at the end of this last game, and that Philly team is an absolute mess right now. So it's hard for me. To, I mean, you talked about. Because L.A. is 2-0. You talk about the luckiest team being 2-0 being Chicago. I think the luckiest team might be L.A. They've scraped out two two games. I got Buffalo by six there. Crazy that Josh Allen's leading the league in passing yards. You'd think he'd be up there in the rushing yards. A little I'm sure, bit. Which I'm sure he is. But to be leading the league in passing yards, that's crazy. Good for him. 
But I don't think that's going to last. I think he might run all over this Rams team. He's got to get around the corner, you know, how good their line can be. But, yeah, Bills by six in this one. So we've, we've picked three games. We have the same picks. So maybe, yes. maybe we'll see some difference. Maybe not. Who knows? Washington against Cleveland. Cleveland favored by a touchdown in the dog pound. Who do you have in this one? Yeah, I got Cleveland by six in this one. Um, I may be hopeful because I do like the Browns. I like Baker. I like OBJ. I like Jarvis Landry. I want them to do well. I like I got Nick Chubb, my fantasy team, and Odell. So I want Cleveland to do well. I'm a little bit of a hard overhead with this game. Maybe Washington, maybe they've looked impressive. Defense has looked okay. But I'm hoping. This is a hope pick. I got Cleveland by six. I have Cleveland by 12 oh. because I think that this momentum they had last Thursday, granted it was the Bengals, but Joey Burrow is – I think he's the real deal. I'm, I'm huge on him. I believe that Vegas had his total for touchdowns at 21.5 going into the season. And I want to say he's already got at least four or five right now. So I think he's going to break that. But uh, going back to this game, Washington and Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland, I think, uses that momentum, gets a dub. Uh, next one. Titans, Plus, Vikings. real quick before we get Go into ahead. the next one, sorry, Don, I don't mean to interrupt sure. you. But I think that extra rest right now is huge, right, considering how everybody's had these quick – training camps and obviously so cleveland getting that extra rest 10 day rest i think is, is going to be massive in these games especially we've seen unfortunately as i mentioned in the last episode all these injuries yeah i hate to mention Ugh. it but it, it continues to happen and it, it's just people dropping like flies because the bodies just aren't ready this is a tackle football these are the, be the biggest beasts in american sports so it's it's hard to not see it continue once again i'm going to knock on wood you hear me but yeah, 10-day 10, 10 rest, I think, is going to be about the biggest advantage you can get. So I think that's yeah. another reason Cleveland gets that win. I'm glad you mentioned that. Not glad that you had to bring it up, but it just stinks watching those games. Literally, when you say dropping like flies, it was perfectly stated. I mean, you know, so many guys went down. Saquon, C-Mac, George Kittle, Garoppolo. The entire 49ers offense, I feel like, went down in that game against the Jets. But uh, moving forward, not on, the, not on a sadder note, okay, Titans-Vikings – Tennessee's favored by two and a half. I picked the Vikings in week one over the Packers. That stung. I don't know why I did that. But I have a feeling that, ten, that Minnesota's due for a win. I say Vikings outright win by seven against Tennessee. I thought this was going to be one we were going to have a different pick. I really did. Especially the way Tennessee keeps squeezing out these games. And we both nail on the head we hit. I think give us a little bit of a pat on the back last week. We talked about Tennessee week one, scraped out a win. What do they do in week two? They do the exact same thing, and we predicted it. We're like, oh, Tennessee by a field goal. You say Tennessee by a field goal. I said, yeah, I actually had that, Tennessee by a field goal as well. What they do, win by a field goal. <laughs> this game, I agree with you, though. I think they come out on the wrong side of a field goal this time, and I think Minnesota ends up getting a win by a field goal because, you know, you mentioned that you picked Minnesota in week one. I picked Minnesota in week two. So I think somebody's got to be right one of these weeks. <laughs> so I'm with you. We're either both going up or down with the ship here this week. So I got Minnesota by three because I just think Tennessee's bound to lose a game by a field goal if they're going to keep scraping out these wins. Plus, Kirk Cousins looked downright horrendous this week. So he better turn it around because Mr. You Like That is uh, looking pretty garbage right now. So uh, he better turn it around. I really thought we are going to have a difference on that one. But, Me too. you know, that's just nature. Raiders Patriots. New England by six and a half. I'm going to be sneaky again. Raiders cover, but Pats will win by six. I'm shaking, shaking my head. head. For, I'm shaking, shaking my head. head. Why? I'm shaking my head for those that are, that are listening right now because I have the exact same pick, Donnie, again. Oh, my 
again, a lot of people I saw, I was, I was looking at, you know, what people's predictions were for these games as I'm going through. And a lot of people have New, New England winning this game big. But for me, how, how can you have them winning big with the confidence the Raiders are playing with right now? Raiders clearly, good some, on Monday night. clearly something's going there in Las Vegas. But Cam also played great, and I predicted that as well. I predicted Cam would have a good performance. So what did he do? Passed for 400 yards and a touchdown and ran for two. So Cam's clearly locked in right now. Cam tries to find anything to be motivated, and I think beating an undefeated team right now I think is the thing to be. But, yeah, I got passed by six as well you got to be kidding me. Okay. Tough, man. We, we think the have... same. I, I, I can't be mad at us. We think no, the same. I'm wondering, are we equally smart or equally dumb? We'll see when the record for this week's picks is done. Well said. 49ers, Giants. San Fran is favored by four and a half. They are missing a lot of guys. Who do you have in this one? If the Giants had Saquon, I honest to God would have picked the Giants in this game because San Fran just looks like the heart's being ripped out of them, like mm-hmm. truthfully. And now with these injuries, it's tough. Unfortunately, Saquon goes out. And for me, Saquon going out is probably a bigger hit to the Giants' chances to win than even freaking Jimmy G going out for the, for the 49ers. It's a, Saquon is, is their bell cow, man. We, we've been talking about that the whole time. You predicted the Giants to win last week because of Saquon, like solely because of Saquon. And there's no Saquon now. So all teams are going to do is blitz three and say, Daniel Jones, you pick us apart. And guess what? He's not going to do that. So San Fran's defense, as weird as they've looked the first couple weeks, I think they win this game. I got San Fran by 10. Get out of here. No way. Get out of here. I will literally read you my my notes. 49ers, Giants, San Fran by four and a half. Pick. San Fran covers, wins by 10. Oh, my all right, maybe next time we need to collaborate and be like, all right, if you've got a similar pick, we need to just not pick this game together. No, we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't, we can't do this to the integrity of our listeners. We have not talked with the same record this, at the end of the year. What if we do Honey, that? it's week three. There's 14 more weeks after this. We're going to have separate picks. This okay. week, we've only seen okay. two games. We've only seen two weeks. And we're, I told you, when three weeks are done, we're going to know where people are at. Then we're going to start picking the upsets. Okay. And you shouldn't even be mad at this. You're a game ahead. I'm the one who's got to start pick, making the, the dangerous picks here at some point to try and get on the flip side. But, hey, this is going to happen. Have we literally picked every, every single game the same for this week? I believe so, right? Yep, we is have. true? I think you're right. I think we have. All right, so San Fran covers, wins by 10, as we both said, somehow. <laughs> uh, Bengals-Eagles, Philly is favored by six. I want to hear your prediction first. Uh, this one, yeah, I like Joey Burrow, right? I, I've been saying that he would do well. Uh, 21 touchdowns. I wish I had known that before the season. I would absolutely. I want to say it was 21 or 22. I would have hammered that over. Are you kidding me? Especially all the garbage time they're going to be playing in. He's going to be throwing touchdowns all the time. And I think we're going to see more garbage time because there's no way Philly can continue to play like this. There's no way. They can't. The, especially with the division looking the way it is. Dallas should be 0-2, but they're 1-1. Washington, we know they're going to fall apart at some point, right? And the Giants just lost Saquon. Like, the, the division is there. If, if Philly wants to take it and give Dallas some, some trouble, they could. they got to turn it around. I think they turn around in this game, and I think they win kind of big. I have them by 10 in this game, but okay. I was thinking 14, so I'm hoping you have 14 so we can say that we switched it, but I have Philly by 10. You have Philly by 10. Philly by 10. Finally, here we go. I've got the Bengals coming into Philly and winning this game. I think Joe Burrow, he said it on that press conference, I don't like losing, as anyone would say. He's not used to losing. I think that he said that this is the first time he's lost back-to-back games in his entire life as a starting quarterback. It's not going to happen. He's not going to lose three in a row. I have the Bengals outright. They win by four. Finally, we have a different pick. There you Final. go. 
And that's good for Joe Burrow to say, right? Like, that's good for a Bengals fan base that's just been used to being – What else are you going to say? Middle, right? bottom of the – and that's what I was about right. to say, is you can't take too much solace in the fact that a dude exactly. who has dominated in high school, went to college, didn't play much, then transferred, came to the best offense with the best coordinator, with the best players coach, and won a national championship. Of course you're not used to losing Joe, but you better get used to it because you're in Cincinnati now. So you better get used to, to losing. I think he's going to lose three in a row. And I haven't seen their schedule, but I think he's going to lose back-to-back games a lot this year. So I got Philly, but I like that we uh, have separate picks now. Finally. I thought that might be the case considering your love for Joe Burrow. I think, I think that, was, that was coming. I was picking this game, and I'm like, you know what? I feel like Danny's going to go Philly, and I was right. Texans-Steelers, Pittsburgh by three and a half. I say Steelers cover, win by five. A defense is insane. I mean, wow. And as we've said before, if the Texans didn't trade their best player in the offseason, they may be in some of these games, but they're not. I say Steelers win in this one to go to 3-0. Yeah, I've got Pittsburgh by seven in this one, and I, and I think I'm almost undershooting that because I think Pittsburgh has looked really good. Houston has looked really bad, and I think, like you said, Pittsburgh defense being fantastic. I have Pittsburgh's defense in fantasy. I mean, they're, they're damn near my highest average score right now. It's crazy what they do. Like you said, flying around the line, the linebackers, the secondary. It's like they don't have a weakness in that defense. It's, that's a team where Pittsburgh right now, like, you remember the old Baltimore teams that would, like, get in and play a New England and they get in and play a Peyton Manning's Colts in the playoffs, and you're just like, man, the Colts looked so good during the regular season. Brady looked so good. But you knew when they play that Baltimore team, they were in trouble. The same way old Pittsburgh used to be like that, right? That was, that was their M.O., Pittsburgh looks that way right now. If Big Ben doesn't make mistakes, like you were talking about Arizona being, you know, your dark horse, Pittsburgh is very, very quickly becoming mine. I just think that defense looks so solid, and I think they're going to really make some noise. I, I really do. I, I, I think they're going to be a tough out for Baltimore twice. I think when both times they play, they're going to be a tough out. I see them stealing one of those games. It's going to come down to it, man. I, I, Baltimore, I think, is going to get that division, but – you're not going to want to see Pittsburgh come playoff time. You're just not. Uh, but I'm with you. Pittsburgh by seven. They look great. Steel Curtain 2.0. Indeed. Yes. Next pick we've got Jets-Colts. Let's, can we keep this one quick? I say Colts by 10 because the Jets might be the worst team in football. A lot of injuries. I have in parentheses. I'll be honest. You said what? Colts by 10. Colts by 10. Yeah, I have verbatim Colts by a lot. <laughs> I, I didn't even want to put a number on it. That's I, fine. That Jets team. And I – it's so hard. I love Sam Darnold. Man, did you see the throw he made yeah, this past was, week? People got to give this guy credit. Has not been has not stopped circulating through Twitter because it's just so sad. He's going he's going to be left to just waste. It's true. Sad. It's true. And I think, you know, Josh, my, my guy, you know, my NFL correspondent, I like to call him, hates on Sam Darnold. But that throws crazy. And the tweet I I believe I either retweeted or liked or reposted or something said if this was a throw made by Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, we'd be calling for them to be on the Mount Rushmore of the NFL. And it's true. Going the opposite way, going to your left and just flinging it across beautifully like that. I mean, that is a tier one throw. Granted, he ain't a tier one quarterback. Let's not get crazy here. But unfortunately, he is on a terrible team. Terrible team. So I have, yeah. Colts by a lot. Fair enough. Panthers, Chargers. Your Panthers are also hurting. Another one that we can keep quick. Chargers favored by six and a half. I say Chargers cover and win by 17. Mm-hmm. So I told you I had Colts by a lot. Mm-hmm. In this particular parentheses, I have lowercase lot. 
with this Chargers Panthers pick, I have Chargers by a all capital letters lot, 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 lot. As soon as I saw CMC is out, that's it. I texted Josh. Beep, beep, all aboard the tank train. There's no reason we should still be playing for victories. We should be playing for the best possible draft pick because right now, Teddy Bridgewater, I wouldn't trust him to be able to get us from a seven-point deficit. I think that's a front-running type of quarterback. I think that's why he did well in New Orleans because they would get the lead with all their weapons. He would just dink and dunk and be soft and throw to Michael Thomas 25 times, like Kamara do stuff, and, and, and that's what it was. I think he's on a completely different team now. CMC's out. It's going to be tough sledding from here on out. Granted, I hope CMC's not out for long, but I think by the time he comes back and we're 0-6, they might treat him the same way the Warriors treated Steph Curry this year and just say, you know what? We want you here for the long term. But, yeah, Chargers by all capital letters locked in this game. All right, let's get into the 4, four o'clock games real fast. Buccaneers-Broncos. Tampa is favored by six. Who do you have? I have Tampa covering that. I, I haven't watched much of Denver. If I'm being honest, I have not caught much of their games, but I've caught all of Tampa Bay's games considering they played the Saints, and then they whooped up on my Panthers. So – I got Bucks by 13 in this game. I really think okay. Brady's now on a little bit of a mission. He heard all that nasty talk about him after week one. So I got, I got Bucks by 13 in this one. I think Tampa's going to be surging now. I have Bucks as well winning by 10. So we're, we're flirting with the picks now. We're getting really close. Lions, Cardinals. Cardinals by five and a half. It's my, it's, my, it's my team this year. It's my sleeper team. Cardinals win by eight. They cover. Yeah, I think that's it's, – it's, Detroit's offense just hasn't looked like they have enough firepower to keep up with Arizona. Arizona looks like they're going to be that team that you just have to keep up with. Like, you're just going to have to keep up with them. They're going to score. They're going to put points on the board. It's a, it's a matter of how their defense holds up, and they've been holding up pretty well. They've been giving up, what, 20, 20 and 21? That's enough to win. Kyler's going to get you 24 at least every game, really, during this season. So, yeah, I got Arizona by six in this game. I think it's going to be a little bit closer, but I got mm-hmm. Arizona winning. Somewhere maybe 34-28, some. Maybe like that. These last three games are very exciting. Cowboys, Seahawks out in CenturyLink Field. It hurt to do this. Really did. Seattle's favored by four and a half. I say Seattle wins by a field goal. I just have a bad feeling. McCarthy's going to be standing there Uh, in the same position he did in both the Rams and Falcons games, not moving, his mask on his face, can't even see his emotions. Seahawks win by a field goal. It hurts. I'm so sorry to Dak, Zeke, to CeeDee Lamb, all those guys that I love to watch, but just not feeling it. We could easily be 0-2. You said it. Cowboys fall to 1-2. They lose on the road. I'm shaking my head here to those who are not watching us right now because this is why I came to Donnie back in November saying we've got that Shannon and Skip vibe. we got to take this to the podcast because Donnie is pulling – a typical skip move right now. He's seeing the writing on the wall with Dallas. He sees that they're no longer the best team in the NFC right now, and he sees that Seattle's taking over this conference, and he's hedging. You guys hear it? Donnie's hedging. He's calling Seattle to win, but Dallas is probably going to end up stealing this game somehow because that's what Dallas does, and they get your hopes up, right? That's what Dallas does. And I think Donnie's just preparing, and he's going to tweet. He's going to be crazy happy if Dallas steals this game, even though he picked Seattle. But I'm not falling for it. I'm not picking Dallas just to spite him. I'm picking Seattle. They were my pick to get to the Super Bowl, and I'm not riding off it. And Russell is looking like the front runner for the MVP right now through two weeks. I was dead on the money with that. He's looking good. Dak ain't looking like he's hey, got to – whoa, 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 whoa. Don't this, start on Dak. No, no, no. This Don't is the game. On Dak. If Dak wants to chase for that MVP, this is the game. Because if Russell – 
really takes control of this game, wins this game by a touchdown, two touchdowns against a team that a lot of people have been calling a real Super Bowl contender in the NFC. We'll right? see. That, right? That's what we've been seeing. You're right. If Russell outplays Dak, that's now three weeks in a row. So that, you know, he, he's ahead on the cards. If we're talking about two boxers chasing for that spot, he's ahead on the cards right now. But, yeah, I got Seattle by six in this game. I do I, – okay. I think Dallas is all right. I think they just started off bad. They had the expectations. They're not used to beginning of the year expectations. They, they tend to get them mid-year, and then you get excited, and then they do what they do. But I think right now beginning of the year expectations kind of got to Dallas. But I think Dallas is going to put up a good fight in this game. I, re, I really do. I think Seattle takes it at the end, kind of like they did against the Pats. They kind of just hold on. But, yeah, I got them by six. But I would not be surprised if Dallas wins this game. I really wouldn't. That's a, that, this is a typical Dallas game to win, truthfully. But I, I think Seattle gets it just because I believe that they're going to be Super Bowl represent, representers in the NFC. I'm not hedging 100%. You're I'm, hedging I like disagree 80%. with you. I'm not. I'm not. This is like the one game. This is the game where I just don't see it happening. I'm going to be realistic now because if you would have asked me this two years ago, Dallas going into Seattle, you know, without the whole fans, you know, whatever, just Dallas going into Seattle for an away game. I would sit there and try and tell you, oh, but Dallas this, but Dallas that. What happened on Sunday has never happened before, and it's not going to just immediately carry over to say, oh, we're going to walk in there and whoop Seattle. It's not going to happen. Realistic. If it does happen, well, I'd be happy, of course. Yes, but I'm going to go with Seattle. It hurts as a Cowboys fan, but they've they've given me a lot of hurt in the past, so it's fine. We're even. Packers-Saints. This is a good one. New Orleans is favored by three. I'm going to say Packers win by seven. I kind of like what I've seen from Rodgers. I love Devontae Adams. I mean, I don't think it's a bad pick, but it's one that can easily go go both ways. So who do you have in this one? Yeah, uh, honestly, I mean, I, I remember talking about Rodgers at the, in the first week. I, I just thought that was a game he was going to win. First week, divisional, going to win. Second week, another divisional is going to win. He wants to take control of that division. You know how it is. When Aaron Rodgers gets a top two pick, or I'm sorry, top two seed, I don't know what I'm thinking, gets a top two seed, we know what he can do with it. You know, he, he plays well in prime time, plays well in pressure. And he showed it in the first two weeks. There's a pressure is on this game, though. I think they're 2-0. and The Saints didn't look great. Monday, short rest. People are going to be writing off the Saints already. I, I really think that's going to they're gonna be, eh. Maybe the Saints weren't as good as we thought. Oh, the, the Packers are looking good. And this is the type of game that Aaron Rodgers loses, right? That, that's been the thing, right? When, when all the pressure's on him and they're the underdog, he's, you know, but no, relax, relax, we'll be okay, don't worry. But this is a game where everybody's talking about don't worry Saints. Even if you lose to the Packers, it's all good. So I got the Saints winning this one. I got the Saints by six. I think they're going to respond from last week. And I think Rodgers is just going to throw up one of those random dud games that he normally does. You know, he just kind of throws them up every now and again. So I got the Saints winning this one. I, I think this, this is a game set up for the Saints to win. That, that's what I felt just looking at it through. I just thought this is a game setting up for the Saints. So I got the Saints winning this one. Who do the Saints not have, though? Big Michael Thomas. Watch out. I, think, I, I thought Michael Thomas was overrated from the jump. I'll wow. be the first one to say it. I, I don't think he, talent-wise, is as good as some of the other top guys. Julio, I think Odell is more firepower than him. I think, I think Michael Thomas going out, it's, like, it's a big deal for them. But I think, you know, Drew Brees has got more toys to play with over there. Maybe we're going to see a surgeon to Taysom Hill or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think Saints still get this. I think that might even set up even more for Aaron Rodgers. 
oh, there's no Michael Thomas. They look bad, blah, blah, blah. Aaron's going to hear that. He clearly hears it, right? He's one of those guys who hears the media. And I think he might just take and just throw up a dud game and the, and the Saints steal it. Okay, interesting. Keep an eye out for it. Chiefs-Ravens, game of the week, Monday night football. Finally, they nail a Monday night game. Kind of has the same feel of Chiefs-Rams two years ago when Mahomes and Goff went at it, went into the 50s and 40s. I'm going to say Chiefs in this one. Baltimore's favored by three and a half, but I'm going to go Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs by four. How are we going to close out week three, Danny? Let's hear it. Yeah, unfortunately, we're going to have to close it out agreeing because I think this is one of those games where you look at Kansas City, right? They scraped out a game against the Chargers, and I think that's why Baltimore's favored. But you, gotta for- you can't forget, the Chargers gave the Chiefs hell last season too. Super Bowl champion Chiefs. That Chargers defense is legit. That Chargers defense is better than that Baltimore defense. If you think you're holding this Chiefs team to 23 more than two times a season or less than 23 more than two times a season, nah, you're crazy. You're crazy. I, I think the Chiefs, this is that game, right? This is the game where Lamar and, and Mahomes know we're talking about Super Bowl MVP versus NFL MVP. Like, that's a big, big deal. I got Chiefs winning this game. I think Mahomes takes back control of that little head-to-head they got. Mm-hmm. I think, I think this is just a game set up for him to have a massive game. Truthfully, massive game. Baltimore's chilled also. You got to think about mm-hmm. Baltimore's had zero resistance the last two games. They're going to come in overconfident. I think the Chiefs, they take this game. Six Rivalry points I got them by. I got KC by six. Rivalry in the making. Chiefs yes. and in the NFL. Absolutely. It's going to close out week three of the NFL. We will update you guys next week when it comes to our records. And like Danny said, it's only three weeks in, so can't really take too much away from it. But – it is going to be interesting how these weeks play out. All right, real quickly before we get into the NBA, Danny, what is the main event on Saturday night? We're recording this Wednesday, so we got some time, but tell the listeners and viewers what to look out for in the UFC Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday night is a big, big fight in the main event. I would, You know me, when I go through the UFCs, I can typically sell you pretty hard on a card, right? Five fights. You know, I, I sold you, you know, the first card that you really watched pay-per-view because there were six or seven good fights. I can't do that this card. They didn't load this card up as the first card back in Fight Island, UFC 253. They're going back for five weeks in Abu Dhabi. But the main event, it's one of the fights of the year, honestly. Israel Adesanya, one of my personal favorite fighters. I will, you know, start out by saying that. So my prediction will absolutely have some bias in it. But he's fighting against Paulo Costa, two undefeated fighters. This is the second time in UFC history two male undefeated fighters have fought for a championship so it's obviously very rare stakes are crazy high Paulo Costa is not as proven right you know Adesanya has now won I believe nine fights in the UFC in the course of about two years he's been speeding through he's one of the stars of the UFC he's on the you know cover of the UFC four video game they clearly see him as one of the faces of the promotion but Paulo Costa he looks like a freaking G.I. Joe character GQ model all wrapped in the one absolutely sells you with his physique He's Brazilian, so there are always hints of the illegal supplements because it has been proven that those Brazilians love to take some illegal supplements. But he has passed the sniff test and the drug test so far. But, man, he just looks the part. And it's one of those situations where in fighting, it's our natural instinct to look at the big, juiced-up, jacked guy, and then you see a skinny guy like Israel Adesanya and think, oh, man, what's he going to do? What's he going to match up? Here's the problem. Israel Adesanya is a world-class kickboxer, which means he fights at a different range than a lot of other fighters fight at. A lot of fighters fight at a boxing range or a wrestling range where you have to be close enough to touch 
to do damage, right? If you're wrestling, all wrestlers will tell you, Julian tells me this all the time, you know, Julian Irigoyen, our wrestling expert. If you're not close enough to touch, you're not close enough to shoot. It's the same with boxing. If you're not close enough to jab, you ain't close enough to inflict damage. That's where Costa lives. But Izzy Adesanya's got some of the longest legs in the UFC. That's his weapon, his kicks. He's going to stand the outside. He's going to use his footwork. He's going to use his movement, unorthodox movement, slick movement. That's how I see this fight going. I could be wrong, but of course, that's how predictions go. You could be right. You could be wrong. But I think Paolo comes marching forward, big, big punches, big hooks. Problem is when you throw big hooks, what do you leave? The middle, wide open for counter shots. I think that's what you're going to see is he's going to be on the outside, staying away with kicks, beating up his uh, Paolo's legs, throwing a lot of front kicks to the chest, trying to just empty out that gas tank that we haven't seen, you know, Costa really prove himself to have. He's gassed out at the end of some fights. I think we're going to see a counterpunch extraordinaire. If you love to see two guys stand up, right, and a lot of casual fans, I use that term casual because that's what we call them in MMA. It's not an insult. It's just not hardcore fans like somebody like me. But a casual fan, what do you want to see? Stand up. You want to see damage. You want to see two guys, two styles, conflicting styles. That's what you're going to see in this fight. I see Izzy moving backwards, slick footwork, tapping around, clipping the legs with kicks, straight punch counters. And I see Paolo eventually gassing out. I got Izzy by TKO fourth round. A lot of people have been saying Izzy doesn't have the power to knock out a big guy like Paolo Costa who just looks like an absolute movie character, video game character type of guy. But I think he does. I think he, he's out to prove a message. Last fight was a little bit boring that Izzy had with Yoel Romero. I think he's out to prove a point. He shaved his head. He's been going blonde hair, pink hair. He says he shaved his, shaved his head for this one. He's going to go back to his old self. I'm interested in seeing it. Like I said, I was never going to pick against Izzy. He's one of my favorite fighters. But truthfully, looking at it as an analyzer, not, or an analyst, analyzer, geez, analyst, not just a fan, I think Izzy gets this one done just because he's got the superior skill set. I think at the end of the day, fighting, it comes down to who's got a more diverse skill set. And I think Israel has that. I say fourth round, TKO, Israel Adesanya retains the middleweight championship against Paolo Costa. Very good analysis as always. And one thing that I took away that just reminded me, Adesanya is a notable name that we're going to get into later talking about a certain brand that has made yes. some moves. But we'll get into that after we mention the conference finals. We've talked about this many, many times with both the Lakers Nuggets, Celtics Heat. Both these series are now 2-1, or 2-1 I'm sorry, with the Celtics winning on Saturday night, Lakers dropping game to the Nuggets last night. Series are 2-1, and we went over this. I said Lakers in five to start. You said Heat and six. And what did you say for the Lakers? Six. Lakers and six. Six as well. I think I, yep. I believe I said the Celtics are going to win in six. So, hey, still possible. Fingers crossed. But what did you make of, of the game on Saturday night? And then I can get into the, the Lakers-Nuggets game that we got to witness last night. Yeah, I mean, with that Heat-Celtics series, it, it's just been a tale of the Heat just having too many weapons, too many closers, too many guys with ice in their veins, right? I mean, you look at that, and I've been mentioning that over and over and over, which Miami's just got closers, right? Dragic has been closing games. Hero is ice cold. Everybody knows how big of a fan of him I am. Jimmy's cold, man. Duncan Robinson gets it going. You're just sitting back and saying, good luck. What can I do? And, and Bam is just a consistent player. We saw the defense he played, obviously, to win that game, you know, a couple, or a couple weeks back, about a week back. Unbelievable block, right? The Heat just have it, and I think what happened in that game is the Heat just got a little tired, right? I think it's similar to what you could say about the Lakers last night. I think they just got a little bit tired. They knew they're in control, right? They're in control of that series, 2-0 up. 
guys didn't play great. Tyler Hero came out hot in that game. But the Celtics just have a lot of guys, right? And when you're 2-0 down, you obviously feel the need to win a game. And that's going to raise your level. We saw from Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Mars been playing great. Kemba is somebody who's going to need to step up, right? If you want your prediction to come true, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart have been great. Tatum is who defenses are spotlighting. You need Kemba to do well. If Kemba goes out there and shoots a three for nine or a one for seven or anything like that, you're not going to get victories. You can't. And the fact that Kemba right now, it's crazy to me that Kemba is acting as their, what, fourth option. Like, we're forgetting how crazy his handle is. He may have the best step-back jumper in basketball. I mean, it's that nasty. We've seen it since he was at UConn. I think game four, just moving forward to game four, I think you're going to need to see a massive game from Kemba. I think you're going to need to see him attack and then open it up for the other guys. You can't just relax, relax and rely on Jason Tatum to get you like 30 and play like he's a tier one guy. He's still not a tier one guy as much as people want to fight to get him into that top level. He's not there yet. He's still a young guy. Playoff run as the top threat of a team. It's not easy to do that. I think, you know, similarly to what I feel about the Lakers series, I know you're going to get into that, but I feel the Heat have control of the series still. And I think they had a little bit of a slow day on, on the game three. And I think game four, they take control tonight. I think you're going to see the Heat really, really play hard and, and, and just put their stranglehold on this series. I think they, they know they have to win this game. I mean, we've, we've seen what Boston has done in control of a series. They tend to let up. So there's not crazy amounts of pressure. But for me, if Miami gets this game four, it's over. Don't see them choking a 3-1, really. I just think they're too deep, right? They're eight or nine deep, very consistent. And I, I genuinely – I've been saying it. I think they give Lakers problems if, they, if it's them two in the finals. I really do. We don't know that, right? After Denver game three, you'll get into that. But I think the Heat are giving any team a problem just because they've got so many cold-blooded guys. And at the end of the day, that's what wins championships. So, yeah, I got Miami in game four. I think they're going to win the next game as well. I think they're going to win the night. They're going to retake control of that series, go 3-1 up. But, yeah, game three was just one of those games. You know, they happen. And that's why we play seven-game series. That's why, as NBA fans, we love a good seven-game series. It's not one game where it's just anybody can win. You've got to win four times. You've got to prove you're the better team. The Heat are the better team. But they took a day off. What can you do? But I got the Heat winning game for tonight with not much problem. Ten points maybe. Yeah, I think that in that case, in terms of that series, I also do believe that it's over. But I like what the Celtics are showing. Gordon Hayward came back, kind of brought a little bit of a spark a couple of occasions. But other than that, Heat did what they did, and they dropped the game. It's not the end of the world. That happens. In terms of Lakers' nuggets – it was, a, it was a resounding win, but it wasn't as resounding as it could have been. Denver, I believe, at one point was up by at least, at least 20, 21 points, and the Lakers cut it to three in the fourth quarter, and you were sitting there thinking, oh, no, is this really going to happen? The Lakers really going to sweep this team, who has looked really good, and this series could easily be 2-1 Denver. Let's not forget that. What happened you know, with, with AD's game winner in game two, looking at the box score – one guy that I've been high on all playoffs, I really want the Bucks to try and go out and get him, is Jeremy Grant. And he proved it last night. 26 points, three boards, 7 of 11 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3, and 10 of 12 from the line. And that's their third or fourth option. So that's probably not going to happen, of course, you know, consecutively. Monte Morris had 14. You know, Jamal Murray had his 28, 12 assists, 8 boards. Phenomenal game from him. And this is one thing, too, that, People may not, may not agree with me, but I really hold this to be true. LeBron had his triple-double, whatever. I don't think LeBron played all that great. He looked, to me, just he didn't look as engaged. 
but that's what in a way like you appreciate that and that kind of you revere that when it comes to a guy that can turn it on and off but at the same time you're like god just you hate it as a fan you're like why are you not engaged but in that way lebron is so smart i'll say it in year 17 when it comes to the output of his energy you saw that last night you saw that he's probably sitting there thinking we don't need to go up 3-0 like i can maybe rest a little bit kind of just get that quick little i guess power nap in a way really and then go on game four, game five, win this series in five games. So it can go either way. I think Denver has a good chance to try and build on this, hopefully win game four for the sake of all basketball fans, just to make this an engaging series because a lot a popular pick has been, you know, Lakers in five. Some even say, you know, Lakers in four, that's wrong now, but I don't know. I don't know. Do I want to see Denver win this series? No, for the sake of basketball and for the sake of the finals and looking back on it, in 2020, oh, do we really want to see a Nuggets Heat series? No. We would love to see, you know, the narrative is what we talk about. Lakers Heat going up against Pat Riley, going up against a guy like Jimmy Butler, who's, you know, so just courageous and so brave when it comes to his on the court and off the court, his leadership. And then you see AD against a really solid defensive team. The narrative would be there, of course, Lakers Heat. But the Nuggets, I think, may get out of the Lakers what the Heat are going to need in a way to say, like, okay, this is what makes the Lakers falter. And I think that Miami, Coach Spo, Pat Riley are conversing, saying, okay, if we get this series, you know, wrapped up in, you know, five, six games with the Celtics, we're looking, you know, 100% blinders on it that the Lakers and the Nuggets in this series, looking at that tape and saying, what did Denver do most recently? Because you can't really go back and say, oh, what did we do to the Lakers back in February, back in January? It's not the same team. Neither team is the same. You got to look at recent. The recency bias may be, you know, a shot in the foot at this point. You don't want to be too hell-bent on that. But this is going to be very interesting, these next few games, to kind of just end my rant when it comes to are the Lakers going to just put their foot on the gas and kind of come sprinting into the finals? Or are they going to kind of take their time, maybe win in five or six games, but have those closer ones, you know, maybe rely on a couple of runs? Who knows? Who knows? Very, very interesting end to these conference finals we will have. Yeah, honestly, I think you're dead on just looking at this game. One thing that you didn't mention that I think is worth mentioning in this game and in this series is what's been the Lakers kind of shooting themselves in the foot in all these games that they've lost. And I don't like that a lot of commentary people and, and you know people at the tables don't mention this. The Lakers at the beginning of the bubble, like what were we saying when they came back in the seeding game? Look how many threes they're missing. Man, Danny Green missing, KCP missing, blah, blah, blah. They're missing shots, missing shots, missing shots. When they find it, that's when they'll dominate. But what if they don't find it? Blah, blah, blah. And then they started to find it, and they started making threes at a normal clip like every other team. They started rolling teams. And then they beat that Portland team in five, Houston in five, because they kept up. This game, they were minus 24 in the three-pointers and free throws. That, that, that can't happen. And that leads right into what you were saying. I think you hit it dead, dead on when you said Denver had a resounding performance, but it wasn't a resounding victory. And that's what it should have been. This should have been a game they won by 20, right? They had five more threes. LA shot 23% from three. That has not been the norm. That is a performance more like what they've been doing in the seeding games leading up to the playoffs and 63% from the line compared to 80 you, you can't shoot 63% from the line and expect to win when you're shooting 23%. And how many games in this playoffs, I, I don't have it on me, right? I'm not the stat guy, right? But I'm sure 
I could pull it out. How many games have the Lakers played in this playoffs where they've been the bot, you know, the lesser team in terms of field goal, three point, and free throw percentage all in one game? That doesn't happen very often. Normally, they're shooting 60%, 70% from two point range and mid 30, you know, low to mid 30s for three point range. That's what they're normally doing. This was an anomaly. You hit it straight on. LeBron taking a power nap can give you a 30-point triple-double. That's because he's the best player of all time. Yes, you heard it here once again. No other player can do that. Take the, the second half of a game off and have a 30-point triple-double. But you hit it straight on. You hit it dead on. And that's why I picked Lakers in six. It wasn't because I thought Denver was the better, you know, was a good team and Lakers might steal a game and eventually take the series. No. I thought it was because L.A. was a better team. I've been saying Denver is – the easiest matchup so far for that Lakers team. But now we're in conference finals. Rarely the teams get swept. Most teams don't pull a Portland against Golden State and get ramrodded out, right? That's not typical or what the Lakers do to, like, the Hawks or something like that. Or, I'm sorry, the Cavs did to the Hawks when LeBron was there. Like, that's not typical, right? It's normally a six-game, seven-game series, and I thought this was the same. These games happen. Like you said, Jeremy Grant scoring 26. Not gonna happen. Are we banking on? Are we again, banking no. on that for Game Four? No. We banking on Monte Monte Morris to give you more than seven, eight? No, right? That's when you're gonna need Jokic to step up the points. Like, they should lose a game where Jokic has 22, 10, and five, right? Like, that's a game they should probably lose, in in my opinion. But they they get this game. That's the one thing I'm a little bit scared of is Jokic keeps hitting these crazy shots. Oh, that one come that down he had to that. yesterday in the second quarter was phenomenal. crazy, crazy. And I'll tell you right now, you're gonna see. I think that. The best game of the series is about to be game four. I, I think you're going to see a absolute slugfest dog fight. I think they're both going to shoot around 40% from three, 60% from the field. I mean, you're just going to see them go crazy, right? This game's in 114-106. I predict that's going to be like a 127-123 win for the Lakers, right? I think they're, they're going to scrape that game out, and then they're going to roll them in game five, and that'll be that. You're going to see the, the, the Nuggets' last push in this game four. So I wouldn't be surprised if they took game four. I have the Lakers in six, like I said, but I wouldn't I'm, be shocked. I this firmly is, believe yeah. that the Lakers are going to get this game, and if it's close, I think they're going to win game five running away. So that's where I think your Lakers in five would be correct. But if they win this game by 10, 12 points, you're then going to see another game like game three in game five, and I think the Lakers are going to give it up, rest up, win game six, and move on. Because I think you'd be maybe crazy not to think that Heat game's going six or that Heat Celtics series isn't going six games. I, I think for sure it is. So I, I think that's what that was in game three. But you hit the nail on the head in mentioning all those guys, right? You hit it straight on. LeBron took a nap a little bit in that second half. <laughs> he really did. He I just think you hit it on when you said engaged. that. He didn't look engaged. AD still, to me, had some spurts. <laughs> He should be scoring 40 a night. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jokic cannot hang with him athletically. No, neither can Paul Millsap. Jeremy Grant, honestly, I think is the best on-ball defender in terms of AD because of his athleticism and length. AD shouldn't, shouldn't be having games with you know, less than 30 points. But we can get into that all day long. Let's move forward and talk about some shoe stuff because we haven't really talked about many things in the sneaker markets and endorsement deals. We've got a couple of big ones. I want to start with... I know I mentioned Israel Adesanya mentioning signing with a certain brand, and that brand is Puma. And Puma now also also recently signed Neymar to a deal worth $29 million per year. That's insane. That's a lot of money. Is Where is Puma realistically when you talk about a tier and maybe even rankings three, four years down the line? With the rate they're moving at now, signing these guys – 
who knows if those guys may get their own shoes, if those shoes succeed. I know that, you know, the J. Cole shoes looks really, shoes look really well right now. Where do you see Puma in the next two, three years? Honestly, I, Puma's right there. And I think, you know, what we're going to get into a little bit in terms of in investing in the future, I think Puma's done a great job of mixing that up. I think signing Neymar and investing a massive amount is their win now strategy. Like, let's catch up now. And I know the plan is to give Neymar, you know, a newer modernized version of the old Puma shoe that was mm-hmm. worn by, you know, Maradona and Pele and these top, top, top soccer players back in the 60s and 70s when Puma was really up there in soccer. And let's not get it twisted. Puma's massive in soccer. Practice uniforms, gear, they're up there, right? So this is a this is a win for them. To get Neymar is crazy, right? If you're not getting Ronaldo, you're not getting Messi, this is probably the next best thing, right? If you're not getting an Mbappe or something like that, Neymar's the guy. So investing $30 million in him, that's obviously going to do you some crazy work in the South American market, in the European market, and that's where a lot of, you know, money's made in soccer, right? So I think them signing him, but signing out of Sanya, that, that's a sneaky move, right? They're investing in a guy in a, in a business where the face of the promotion switches quickly, right? In soccer and basketball and football, you kind of know who's going to be the guy. You know uh, an investment in Mahomes or Lamar Jackson is going to last you a long time or Odell Beckham. You know LeBron and these guys are going to last you. Fighting is very different because what if Israel loses this Saturday? All of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. We just signed this guy thinking he's going to be the future of the thing, and he's not. But to answer your question, I think Puma's right there. We've been talking about Puma and Converse a lot when we've been talking about endorsements, and they're doing it the right way, in my opinion. They're mixing new age guys and established guys and trying to build a brand. So three, four years down the line, I mean, obviously we know Nike slash Jordan, right? They got a stranglehold. But past that, truthfully, like Adidas hasn't made too many massive moves. Like – I gotta be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of like the Lillards or the D Rose and stuff like that. I'm just not the biggest fan of that personally. I don't like the way they look. Under Armour's really loving that Steph train, but you know that the wheels are gonna fall off of that at hey, some point. Don't forget point. about Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, and, yeah, and, and that's where you know Joel Embiid. Who knows what he's gonna be doing in the next few years in the NBA? It seems like he's in that little weird, untouchable list of players where it's like, do we want that guy to try and chase a championship or? Are we just going to invest our future in you know, a team like the Knicks or something like that? So I think Puma is doing a good job right now of diversifying the, the athletes that they're representing, but also investing in the future. And I think that's the way to plan it right now because mm-hmm. Nike's got the hold right now. Like right now, you got, you got no chance. You got no nothing, right? If, if they send an offer out, they're going to get it. But finding athletes like Puma and the Converse are doing, it's smart. In my opinion, it's just investing, putting water on, you know, water in that tank just waiting and waiting and waiting and then maybe they'll surge maybe then they'll get another name get Neymar I'll tell you right now that's opening up the doors to get whatever young Brazilian soccer player wants to get a deal right because you know oh they, they, they're with Neymar Neymar's with them that's a relationship I'd want to have same with Adesanya now Adesanya signs with Puma which is has been a weird thing for athletes to get their own endorsement deals and Dana White he immediately came out and made a comment oh I don't know how much I like Israel Adesanya's walkouts anymore I want it to be minimal because he's starting to see is he starting to be a little bit too big for the UFC right now and he's signing big deals Dana doesn't like that Dana wants you to be doing what he's doing that's what Connor did right Connor signed with Reebok who was with the UFC so I think that's where Izzy is kind of going outside that's going to now create relationships for Puma with future fighters so I think they're doing it right I really really do like and obviously like you said Jay 
take hold. So they're hitting every avenue that a Nike's hitting. They're getting entertainers, they're getting fighters, they're getting athletes, European athletes, American athletes. I really like what Puma's doing. I, I think you'll agree with me. I think that they're doing it the right way. And I think they're next. I really do. I think they're doing it the right way. They're diversifying. I think that's the most important thing. You can't just hit athletes. That, that's not the recipe. Nike does what they do because they're hitting everybody. A Beats by Dre is hitting everybody. Like, that's what they're doing. That's the way to do it, and Puma's doing that. So I'm excited to see where they'll be at in three or four years. I agree with you. You hit everything perfectly. I think it's cool, too. You mentioned soccer. You think about Messi, you know, with Adidas. Then you think about Ronaldo with Nike and then Neymar with Puma. That's kind of the top three guys. When you think of soccer, you think of stars, and they're all with different brands. When you think of the NBA, you think of, you know, LeBron, Giannis, AD, uh, all these guys with Nike and, you know, Luca, Jordan. And then you think, okay, Harden's with Adidas, whatever. But I think that that number two spot is close for Puma. I don't think it's unrealistic. I think that, like I said, if they continue along this trajectory of signing big name guys, and like you said, diversifying their brand, getting it out there with entertainers, with other people that may not just be playing a sport, but have an influence on their audience to where they can say, hey, I'm with Puma. And then that's money right there in your pocket. So it's going to be fun. I really want to get my hands on some Puma gear because I just like the way it looks. It just looks very smooth, very modern. Uh, you know, kind of reminds you of that European vibe. You see all those European guys wearing those Puma shoes and you think, ah, oh, that's never going never gonna to amount to anything now. Look at us now. You know, Puma's, Puma's starting to catch back up. You know, they're reinvigorating with basketball, which, you know, I pay attention to the most. And then, of course, soccer and now with the UFC. So it's going to be exciting. But real quickly, our closing point. Zion is getting his own signature shoe. When is it that John Morant is going to get his own signature shoe? I would have to say at least in the next year or two. I'm not sure if Luca is getting his shoe. I know he's got maybe – I think he's got his logo in the works with Jordan that, you know, they're, they're working on his branding. I'm not sure if he has his own actual, like, Luca one. For Ja, I know we mentioned it before we got on, he loves those – adapt bbs with the self-lacing technology i would not be shocked if he gets his own pe in the next year with the way jason tatum gets his shoes with jordan pj tucker with nike then you factor in of course you know zion with his the shoes with the bayou you know kind of feel on it with jordan i would say in the next one two years what do you think yeah it has to be right especially after him getting rookie of the year and, and being like what most people could would consider right because a ton of people are very skeptical on Zion, and, and rightfully so. I mean, we saw what he did in the bubble. Me and you were not very happy about the way he looked. It's hard to put all your eggs in that basket now. So I think Josh should be fielding offers right now and saying, all right, let's go. I'm the future. I'm the guy, right? Luca got that mid out, that Jordan 1 mid that looked kind of cool, and I'm sure he's going to get his signature shoe out here soon. You got you to gotta invest in Josh. I mean, Josh is slowly one of those guys who's going to build up in that PJ – Shea Gilgis type of area where it's fashion, it's sneakers, it's the swagger, and he can ball. Because John Morant's better than both of those guys by a pretty swift margin. I think we could both agree, right? Ooh, if you can Luka? combine. No, 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 no. Shy and uh, or Shea okay. and PJ. I, I was going to say, wow. No, 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 no. <laughs> Luca's all, all first team NBA, baby. I'm, no, 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 no. I'm on the Luca train now. I, I wasn't on the Luca train at first. I'm heavy on the Luca train now. But I think you got to invest in John now. Rookie of the year? I mean, you got to. You, you know, they got to invest in signing him. And a team's got, or, you know, a group, a brand has got to invest in getting him his own shoe because Jaws the comfy king, right? We've seen him in those fleece fits. 
we got to see him get a comfy shoe to rock with those. Maybe it'll be more of a lifestyle shoe. Who knows? Maybe he'll just keep rocking the BBs, but he'll get his own little lifestyle shoe, which would be pretty dang cool too. And most people don't do that. So maybe we'll see him switch it up, do something different. But like you said, you got to. Yeah, how, how can you not? It, it would just be a missed opportunity to not get Josh shoe. Hey, you say rookie of the year, he should get his own shoe. In that case, you should have looked back three years ago. Hey, Malcolm Brogdon, rookie of the year, got to give him his own shoe. I am totally kidding. That was not serious. Yeah, no. um, <laughs> good little laugh there because Ja, we know, is head and shoulders above everyone else. But that is going to do it. Episode 42 is in the books. Every time I say 42 now, I think of Chadwick Boseman playing Jackie Robinson, one of the best movies I've ever seen, one of the coolest moments in sports. I was actually just talking with a friend, and they asked me if you could go back in time and live through an event or something in, in sports, you know, pop culture. And I said I would love to be a reporter during the time when Jackie Robinson came in to baseball and just broke the color barrier. I thought that was – the movie itself was one of the most amazing, you know, just put together, well-scripted. Of course, you know, those seeing what happened back then still – makes me sick but to see jackie's you know strength and perseverance and then played by chadwick boseman rest in peace gives me chills saying it i, I wanted to say it to start but i felt like it was a appropriate thing to close on no i i, th I think that's you're right though and, and and it's crazy right now right to think that chadwick played jackie and now they're both gone right like yeah. two icons and now we're gonna see somebody play chadwick in a movie like that that's where we're at now we we've seen what Jackie did. We've obviously heard about it. We've seen just the massive impact he's had throughout sports. And then to see Chadwick go the way he did, which was a surprise to everybody. It's that's why we have to appreciate this, these icons, these legends in front of us. And I think you hit it on the money. You think about that, you revel in what he did and to get through the color barrier and to open the door. It's massive, right? He, he was the face and there were other athletes that were doing it with him. Other black athletes coming from the Negro leagues that went into the majors you know, it's, it's Larry Doby, for example, is one that, you know, comes to mind, but he was the face of that movement. It's unbelievable. And obviously Chadwick being gone now, we can appreciate that movie and, and that movement even more. On a lighter note, there is basketball on tonight and tomorrow. So enjoy that. Football's on as well. Like we say, watch sports, sit back with your friends and your loved ones. Just enjoy yourself and play this podcast in the background, whether you're driving, sitting there, you're working out, working on schoolwork. Let us be, come into your AirPods or into your speakers so you can enjoy some good old-fashioned sports, kicks, pop culture talk, as always. That's going to do it. 42nd episode is in the books. We'll see you all next time. Peace.